Peace, everyone. This is Alicia coming to you from Houston, Texas. This is the Microdosing Podcast. And I just wanted to uh, give you some context for this interview, for this feature that I'm so excited about. Um, So here in this interview, there was a tremendous thunderstorm. Uh, So please bear with the noise in the background and possibly some reverb. It's because of the storm. But I have with me Robert Bustani, and it was the perfect ambiance for us to cleanse and have this conversation. So please join us uh, for this interview. I'm so excited. Peace and light. All right. Peace, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Microdosing Podcast with Alicia. I have a special guest here today. Um, One of my dear teachers, um, haven't known him that long, but the time spent together has felt like a very long time. And I'm grateful that he accepted the invitation to be here. So let me welcome you. Robert Bustani to the Microdosing Podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Thanks very much, Alicia. You're you're one of my favorite people. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same. So um, I just, so in your classes, first I want to say there's so much I want to talk about, right? And we have just a little bit of time, but I was looking through some of the things that I had written down and some of the things that you had shared, um, like through handout and later in the podcast, I do want to, there's something that I want to read that you share with your students, kind of like in their orientation phase. And there was a conversation that we had that was very brief, but so impactful. And it was just about life. And we were sitting (laughs) on the floor And you just told me, you said, Alicia, life is hard. And it just resonated. There wasn't a whole lot of commentary after that. But I was so grateful to receive that information because we tend to romanticize like, oh, I can't wait till things get better. I can't wait until this is over. I can't. But hardships are going to constantly show up in your life and challenge you. And you get better at mastering what happens and what's coming. And that was such a great um, teaching moment um, for me to be a student of yours. So I wanted to thank you for that at the top of the hour. So life is hard and you will get through it as long as you have the tools that you need and you're cultivating those tools and using them each day. So So there is a sprout that, is in the cold earth and it's cold and it's hard. And then it puts a little tendril out and it feels the sun and the sun is very hot. And it's quite a contrast between the warmth of the sun and the coldness of and the hardness of the earth. But then we're attracted to that light. And slowly what happens is you feel all of this growth inside of you, water coming up through all your channels energy coming up through all your channels and it stretches you and as it stretches you i know energetically it happens when i do work when it stretches you it can hurt a little bit as it's stretching you and as you're growing growing pains we always talk about growing pains and yeah and then it blossoms into who knows what right right great life lesson um So what I also want to talk about is 
bits and pieces. Let's let the thunder go by. Bits and pieces, I've heard you share uh, your life story, where you're from, so on and so forth, but I can never quite put it together. I hear Lebanon, I hear Louisiana, I hear Houston. <laughs> so can you tell me and tell us where you are from? Um, I grew up in South Louisiana. Okay. In, in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I uh, had grandparents that came from the mountains of Lebanon and one grandmother who was Spanish Mayan and my grandfather who was from the mountains of Lebanon moved to Mexico and married there and so that's where my father grew up until he was about 20 and then came to the states met my mother here and so South Louisiana is where I'm originally from. So he met your mother in South Louisiana? Correct. Okay and then and I grew up there. Okay. Okay. Because I, you know, I recall some stories about kind of like you just kind of growing up and looking out into the stars, into the dark night of the Louisiana sky. And I'm like, how did this happen? I couldn't I figure out how it all was really gorgeous. I used to lie down in the grass and look up at the sky and not want to see anything except for the sky. And not see myself, not see anything else around me. And just kind of like you're going to just melt into the sky. And so as a, as a kid, there wasn't too much to do in South Louisiana. It was pretty quiet. Yeah. Lived in this little wooden house and, uh, it, it did have, uh, you know, some, some little, I guess you would call them gas space heaters, but there was, there wasn't even a fan in the place. So you just, you know, lie down around an open window and hope, as you're sleeping at night, that a breeze would come through. But you could also smell all the herbs in the earth because the air was so clean, really? so quiet. And the sky was so clear because I was just in this little bitty town. So. Wow. And so growing up in an environment that's just so peaceful and serene and surrounded by space, nature, life, the life force, um, was that your beginning of being a yogi? Um, it it began a little bit before that, and not to try to get necessarily too deeply into that. Um, I had memories, even as a very, very young child, before I could walk, of what life was like and what I was doing in this body. And I was very quiet. I, I didn't really, I didn't even feel my legs until I was a little past one. And I, the first time I walked, I could hear the sound of my feet on the wooden floor of our little house going between my mom and dad over a space of about four feet. And I started feeling the vibration in my legs, and then gradually I could feel my legs. And that was the first time I felt my legs, so even as an infant. Wow. And you feel them. I was just completely inside. And I don't know how that is for anyone else, but that was my experience. Um, there was like lots of awareness about what life was. It was almost like it was like a gift that was 
just given. And I, you know, maybe other people have the same kind of thing, but I felt like I was, I was given a, a package at the beginning of life with all I needed to know to get through. And it wasn't a matter of just words. It was a matter of experiencing and knowing inside of myself and trusting inside of myself. And I, I can't say that I was focused inside my heart because most of the time I felt I would just close my eyes and I would just melt into being present. And that was it. And that's, that's all I felt most of the time. It was very, very quiet, no thoughts, which was quite remarkable. Um, I mean, from the viewpoint of someone much older. Uh, and so, you know, once a day, early morning, I sit down and go back to that kind of a quiet place. And meditation, the quality of the feeling of life and the love you have in your heart, just because you're, you're given a body and you're given all these opportunities to meet people and you're given all these opportunities not to run away from the hardships of life, but to, can I come into this and accept it? Can I come into this and find how this will make me strong? That you don't look at the circumstances in life as being the enemy. You look at it as being something that will train you and that as you get stronger and you can deal with more energy running through. So if you have a lot of energy running through. People don't know what to do. They'll try to eat. They'll try to go do some activity. They'll try to distract themselves just depending on how intense it is. And at a certain point, you revel in the intensity of the life itself. You know, people go to the Olympics not because people are doing things that are very easy, but because they're doing things that are very hard. Right. Uh, you admire people who have been through tremendous adversity because if they've accepted it and grown from it, then it's really inspiring. It's really inspiring. I've seen a yoga teacher who has no legs, and yet he's an incredible, inspiring yoga teacher. And he can't, he can't teach everything, but he can tell you how to do it. And so what is he feeling? He's feeling the other people around him and he has so much presence in this moment because this is the only place you have power if you say i can do something with my body in this moment well you have to be in this moment to do it you can't do it five minutes from now or three days ago it's it's now so life is very much in your face are you going to do it now and it's perpetually now and it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous because every person you ever loved will fade from your eyes. And so when you see them, you want to take them in, however they are, even if they're harsh. You look at them like, ah, what a gorgeous force of nature. And sometimes we react to the gorgeous forces of nature outside that can actually define you and help you develop to become 
much stronger than you ever would had that adversity not been there. We look at the, the beautiful things that occurred in nature where people had the courage to stand up against whatever adversity or lack of justice and whatever else you might think to, to discuss. You know, we have what's going on in, in Cuba right now. And, and people can kind of characterize it however they want. But here are people, it's like, I'm a human being. I have life. I have dignity, regardless of the clothes that you wear and the title that you carry. I am alive, too. Right. Right. And you have a right to be alive. And you Absolutely. Have yeah. And to revel in that and to support each other in that. And that's the greatest strength. The greatest strength is to recognize you're not... <laughs> Uh, there's uh, there's the poem uh, for whom the bell tolls. Yes, you know. So if there's a funeral, you know, they ring the church bells and so on. And you know, what does it say in the poem? It's like never send to find for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Right. Your life is as precious as any life that has ever been because it's life. The beauty and the value of a beautiful small child, so innocent, without any particular education, uniquely who they are, it's like that's very precious, independent, because they're not adding anything to the economy. If people want to talk about the economy, <laughs> not at all. a value of an individual, but it's not a value of an individual. The inherent value is in the life itself. And the question which has been raised, the question that should be raised, is at what age do you come to where that value is any less because you're older? That is an interesting question. It needs question. to be considered. You're carrying knowledge and, you know, why do I teach? I teach because my own teachers shared parts of their life with me and parts of their insights. And I want to keep that alive because it helped me so much. So I want to give that to, to someone else. And, and why would I give it to someone else? Well, if you have any compassion at all, if you have compassion for any living being, then you see someone suffering and what do you want to do? You want to stop the suffering. If you have true compassion and as you go on and on with yoga and you get very quiet, you more deeply feel and understand why people might act a given way. Maybe they're very hostile. Maybe they're not understanding something. Maybe they're difficult to be around, but you begin to understand. So, you know, as I say, there's this this one saying, if you don't love the faults of your loved ones, you don't love. And so at a certain point, you can have someone that's very difficult in your life, and yet you love them profoundly. In all their faults and flaws and limitations, you love them. Right. And if they pass away, even though, okay, my, my life is now quieter, but somehow, you know, it's not better because they're not there. They're not there, yeah. And you, and you recognize the value of them, certainly with my teachers, but also it, it applies to students. So it applies to my students. So, you know, people, whatever they might think, you know, I love my students. Why do I love my students? Because my students share with me 
the suffering that they have been through and the successes and failures through that suffering. And I can learn from them without having to go through all of the suffering they went through. So they went through. I, I mean, where else can you get this kind of knowledge? You're not going to get it from just taking a, a necessarily a, some kind of training or so on. Right. You get it in life. When do you feel like a, a person who is suffering and you're loving them, is there, um, how do I want to say, when do you, in their suffering, while they're learning a lesson? Now, the fact is you, you can, unless they learn the lesson, the suffering won't stop. The suffering won't stop. So it's not. It just simply won't. Yeah, you don't need to intervene. You can just. You can, you can intervene. And the way you intervene is very specific. Uh, it was taught to me by by one of my old mentors, a very uh, older woman who kind of took me in for whatever reason as kind of a friend or someone. It's like, okay, I'm going to train you in some things. And she was, she was quite unique. She was running a little apartment somewhere in Montrose. And we happened together by unusual circumstances. And she started... I sat on with her and she started talking to me about things in life. And mostly I would just sit there. And the first time I sat with her, you know, it was like six in the evening and I sat there and I got really sleepy and I didn't, I didn't drink any coffee at all at that time. And she took a bowl of rock candy and put it out in front of me. And she said, would you like some coffee? And I said, yes, I have no idea why I did, but I did. And I was getting really sleepy, and she took a sip of her coffee and ate a little bit of this hard candy. And I said, all right, I'll do the same thing. She's telling me something because there was some rapport. I sort of trusted I was in this position for some reason. And within two hours, I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. And, and I had had, you know, like two cups of coffee for someone that never had coffee. It was like... <laughs> it couldn't keep me awake. And she said, you will sleep very well, and I, I will teach you some things. We'll spend some time with you. And one of the things she taught me is that if you want something or if you want to express something to someone, then go ahead and say what you have to say. And if they hear you, you can try a number of times, and if they hear you, well, okay, you can go on with that. And if they don't hear you, And she used a very specific term, and it sounds harsh, but I have found that it's very compassionate, actually. She said, and if they don't hear you, cut it clean. Mm, And that was one of the most useful things, and and I don't always. Sometimes, you know, she says, look, stay in a situation long enough until you're good and sick and tired of it, so that if you walk away, you never look back. You realize, okay, I did everything that I could, and I still have to leave. Okay. And that's okay. Because, you know, sometimes they just People don't hear you. There. No. They don't hear you, or they're just not interested in what you have to say, and that's okay. 
Peace, everyone. This is Alicia. You are listening to the Microdosing Podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, the interview here with Robert Bustani of Pralaya Yoga. We've been talking about just lessons in life and the things to come and just wonderful stories that he shares to put things in perspective. And I'm just grateful that he, again, is here to just kind of pour into us. So join us for part two in the next couple of days, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace and light.